First Chronicles 11. It's a verse uh, uh, we're going to read here. One verse that, that if you've read it before, you may have read it and forgot about it. But uh, uh, after today, you're going to remember it. Uh, look at verse 22. First Chronicles 11, verse 22. It says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Well, I want to talk to you today about triumphing over the lions in your life. Come on now. And uh, in this case, this man, Benaiah, he killed a, a lion on a snowy day. Well, we're going to kill some lions on a rainy day. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Triumphing over the lions in your life or slaying the lions in your life. First Peter chapter 5, uh, uh, verse 7 talks about casting the, all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And then Peter goes on to say that uh, to, to, be, to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and it's interesting is that he cannot just go and devour who he wants to at will. You got to know that. He cannot just go and devour whoever he wants. Anybody that is devoured by the enemy has allowed him to devour them. You got to understand that. And uh, he is a devourer, but he does not have to devour you. He does not have to, to eat you up. He does not have to uh, be the one who, who gains supremacy in your life. Quite contrary, you, through the victory that Christ Jesus has won on our behalf, can exercise victory over him instead. Hallelujah. But uh, as, as I want to look at this, I want to look at uh, four different lions today that, that is very important for us to slay in our lives. Uh, I want to talk about slaying the lion of instability, slaying the lion of uncertainty, slaying the lion of insecurity, and slaying the lion of offense. Those four lions, I, I got a hit out on them this morning. Instability, uncertainty, insecurity, and offense. And it's interesting, you can look at it another way. If you like acronyms, this will work for you. The, the fact that this Benaiah killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Here's a little acronym for you if you like that kind of stuff. This is the, the spells the word snow, which we are celebrating the fact that we're not getting anymore. Hey, hey, hallelujah. <laughs> All right. S would be standing in his stability. N is navigating through uncertainty. O would be overcoming insecurity. And W would be winning over offense. So one more time. S would be standing in his stability. N would be navigating through uncertainty. 
O would be overcoming insecurity, and W is winning over offense. So let's go ahead and deal with the lions. Are you ready? Go ahead to Psalm 62. Let's talk about standing in instability or slaying the lion of instability. You know, uh, we've been called to enjoy stability in him. Uh, if you realize there's no other source that you can potentially go to whereby you will uh, have long-lasting stability because things are shifting and changing and you can tell real quickly there's not a whole lot that you can count on and if you can count on it for a little while you can't count on it long term because it fizzles out after a while is there anything that doesn't fizzle out that lasts that that can provide long term stability psalm 62 and verse 6 says this the psalmist writes he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Well, you know what? Even before you read the rest of the verse, just those first two words say, he only. And uh, when it comes to stability in your life and getting to a place where you're anchored and not moving, I got two words for you. He only. Because not even the sweetest and most nicest person you know is going to be able to come through for you a hundred times out of a hundred. He only is your rock and your salvation. He's the source of our stability. So don't try to get This is very important and so important in relationships. One of the frustrating thing in relationships with people is when they're trying to get from somebody they're in a relationship with what you can only get from God. Oh, oh yeah. And what happens, you get two frustrated people. One person's frustrated because they can't get what they're trying to get. The other person's frustrated because they can't possibly give that other person what they're trying to get. Because they're trying to get from another human being what you can only get from God alone. Oh, yeah. I felt that, somebody. All right. So, uh, other people cannot be the source of your stability. You, you can't get from some other human being what you can only get from the Lord himself. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense I shall not be moved. I, I, I love the, uh, the song we used to sing back in church way back in the day. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Uh, you know, you can't help but think of Joshua and Caleb when you think about people who weren't moved. Joshua and Caleb, along with 10 other people, were sent in to the promised land to spy it out, to check it out. And as they went in, uh, Joshua and Caleb and these 10 guys came back with a report of what they saw. Joshua and Caleb saying, let's go for it. We got it. God's on our side. Let's do this. And 10 others saying, oh no, ain't no way we can do that. Those people are big. They're bigger than we are. They're going to eat us for lunch. And, And then that was their take. 
Joshua and Caleb saw the same thing that those other guys saw. Saw those same big old giants that were in the land and the walled cities. They saw the same thing. What was the difference between the two is the the stability factor in their faith. Because 10 guys got moved by what they saw. Joshua and Caleb were not moved by it. It did not change their take on whether we can do this or not. It was just, we gathered some information. This is what we're dealing with. But but whether God's getting us through something that's difficult or God's getting us through something that seems easy, whether it's difficult or easy to us does not matter If God's with us and God's in this, we're getting through. So Joshua and Caleb were not moved. And it's very important for us in our faith not to be moved. That's the warning that James gives in chapter 1, especially in regards to prayer and faith. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about asking in James chapter 1 verse 5 where he talks about if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That gives to all men liberally and abrades not and it'll be given to you. And then in verse 6 he says, but let him ask in faith, no wavering. Because he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, you not having stability, you not being grounded it's going to mean that, that you're going to throw up a prayer and, uh, you know, the, the Lord said, I'm just going to let you know right up, right up front. If you're going to pray that way without being grounded and stable in your faith and unmovable in your faith, uh, don't expect anything. I mean, he just said it that, that clear and that straight. Now, now, now can, can, can your mind have some moments? Yeah, your mind will have some moments. Yeah, 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 your heart will be saying, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I can guarantee it, Joshua and Caleb, their heart was saying, go for it. And their mind was saying, oh, those guys are big. But, but, but you see what happened? They, they had something inside of them that overrode what their mind was telling them. And that anchored them and held them steady even when, when their mind wanted to take them adrift. Are you with me now? Yeah. Someone say, I shall not be moved. You know, the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, awesome words. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul, in in addressing people working for the Lord and and doing labor uh, for, for the sake of the Lord, He said, be unmovable in it. We're talking about stability, right? So that's a very important thing. It's it's amazing how somebody would get involved in some aspect of the work of the Lord and it gets a little tough or, you know, they they might have to deal with a, uh, a personality that they are not so comfortable in dealing with. And then all of a sudden, they'll use that little Christianese thing and say, yeah, well, I just don't feel led to do that anymore. I feel led to go otherwise. And, and you know, there's something rising up in me. I'll stick you with a pencil and you'll feel some lead, all right? Uh, 
but 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 it's very important when it comes to the work of the Lord that that, that we're not being wishy-washy about this. We're being steadfast and unmovable. That that, that we're we're not tossed around and and walking in uh, 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 a, a vacillating kind of way. But, but in a sure, steadfast, unmovable kind of way. Let me tell you something else about standing in his stability and slaying the lion of instability in your life. Uh, stable people are balanced. And they stay in the middle of the road. Stable people are balanced and stay in the middle of the road. You know, it's interesting. Proverbs says in Proverbs 11.1 1, that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Well, what on earth is that talking about? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's talking about the, the, the balancing scale and, and the, the weights that are used. Uh, you know, a, a just weight means that we're, we're not trying to set up the, 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 the rocks or whatever the weight is to, uh, to measure things uh, to, to, uh, uh, to skew the results, shall we say. To, so, so that uh, you're, you're getting more in your favor, you're getting, or, or that person who's making a deal with you is getting less than what they should be getting for their part of the deal. You know what I'm saying? A just weight is, is uh, doing what's right, doing what's proper. A, a, a false balance means that the, the, the balance is off, the scales are off. And, and, and it is so important for us to, to walk in stability and balance. Stable and balance absolutely go together. Uh, a stable person will have an accurate scale in their life. Rather than the scale that's out of whack, their scale will be accurate. What that means is this, is that you won't give less weight to more weighty matters. And you won't give more weight to less weighty matters. As a matter of fact, Jesus said something to the religious leaders of his day that, that's really fascinating. He, he, he used a term called straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. And, and you can hear that and say, what on earth is that? Straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Well, let me break it down for you. A gnat is a real small bug. A camel is a real big animal. What Jesus was saying is that you're making huge deals out of things that really don't matter to anything. And things that should matter, you're just letting it go right on by. You, you get what he's saying now. And, and so it's very important that, that we don't do that, that we don't strain at a gnat or, or, and swallow a camel, that we don't uh, 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 make less of real important issues. Or then make more things that really don't matter all that much. But, but that, that we give proper balance and proper perspective to things in our life. As a matter of fact, Matthew 23, 23, Jesus was addressing the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes. And he called them hypocrites. And the reason why he did that is because they were paying tithe on the little mints that were growing in their garden. You know, the, 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 uh, they were growing mint, and, and, and so the, they had to figure out, you know, here's a little leaf of my mint plant, and so I need to take 10% of that and give that to the Lord. Now, the idea of tithing, hey, I mean, God's, 
Tithing is God's idea, obviously. But, but, but what they were doing is they were making such a big deal over uh, giving 10% of that little mint leaf. And Jesus said that you omitted the weightier matters of the law, that being justice, mercy, and faith. And Jesus ultimately said, you should have done these and not leave the other undone. Jesus wasn't saying you shouldn't tithe. Jesus said, yeah, you should be a tither, but, but you should take care of the more weighty matters of the law. And so it's interesting that, that in our approach of being stable and being balanced, we need to make sure that we're not giving less weight to the more weighty matters or giving more weight to the less weighty matters. As, as a matter of fact, there's wisdom in this statement. You can prioritize without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You can prioritize without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Glory to God. Another thing that, that we need to learn about being stable, stable people don't go after fads. Uh-huh. You know, Paul warned against that over in Ephesians 4 where he said that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And it's important. And you know what? Uh, uh, I appreciate the, the ability to be able to uh, hear ministers on, on uh, television and, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to be able to, to access uh, sermons on uh, uh, YouTube or, or other means on the Internet is a wonderful thing. But I've got to tell you this. At the same time that I appreciate it, I am not a member of the Doctrine of the Month Club. That, that means I'm not just going to go after everything that everybody says, well, this is the hot thing. This is what God is saying now. And, and you know, that other stuff, that's so yesterday. This is what God's saying now. And, uh, you know, does the Holy Ghost emphasize things? Well, sure he does. And he, he emphasizes things. But you know, when the Holy Ghost is emphasizing something, he doesn't throw away the rest of the Bible. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, oh, I don't know if I dare. Uh, there, 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 was, there was a time in the church where uh, uh, people were, were, had an emphasis on experiencing joy in the Holy Spirit. And it was to, to the point where some, all that some people wanted to talk about was getting drunk in the spirit. And uh, can, can you get so filled with the Holy Spirit that, that you are uh, uh, not, not acting like yourself? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what's interesting is that uh, at, at the same time that, that the people were emphasizing that so much, they forgot about all the Bible had to say about being sober. How many of you have, have ever seen Jesus and the apostles talk about being sober? We, we made reference to one of those verses today where Peter said, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is going about as a roaring lion. Isn't that right? So, so it's interesting that that's an example of how some people got so caught up with one aspect of things that they almost threw out what the rest of the book said. But, but God's not an either or God. God is both and. Can you say both and? 
what, 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 uh, God's not going to go ahead and, and take one truth and elevate it so much to, to, uh, to, to the point where the other side of the coin is no longer present. No, as a matter of fact, God will give it all to you. Uh, God wants you to be prosperous. And at the same time, he doesn't want you to be covetous. God wants you to have blessings in this life. And yet at the same time, God does not want this temporary life to be all you think about. Because this is not our absolute destination. Eternity is. And yet you have people that would go to the other side and say, well, that's just temporary stuff. I'm focused on eternity. Yeah, but you still here and living here. So you see, God doesn't take one thing and, and throw the other thing out. So God is not a either or God. God is both and. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So stable people do not go after fads. And I tell you, that's an important thing. What, one other thing about stability, God's called us to be stable in our minds. God has called us, uh, as 2 Timothy 1.7 says, that, that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. God's called us to be stable, to be sound in our minds. We made reference earlier to James 1.8 where it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God doesn't want us double-minded because double-mindedness refer, results in instability. That is not God's will for you. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 2 uses this reference that we be not soon shaken in our mind. Hallelujah. Now, there's one last piece of uh, stability that I got to break the news to you. That there is no shortcut to get there. Because Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. He said that after you've suffered a while. Oh, oh joy. After you've suffered a while, then you will be perfected, established, Strengthened and settled. So the, the idea of being uh, stable is a desirable thing. But let me tell you, there's no shortcut to get there. You're going to have to go through some stuff. But notice the key word is through. That means you don't go halfway through and get stuck. No, you go through, which means you're coming in one side, but you're coming out the other side. That's what through means. Hallelujah. So after you've suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So when you come across somebody that you admire them for their stability, <laughs> ask them a few questions. Ask them how they got there. They got a story to tell you. Yeah, you, you might look at them and say, yeah, peaches and cream their whole life. I know it for sure. And, and, uh, and uh, you, you find out that, uh, uh, that some of those peaches weren't so peachy but because they endured and stayed faithful they they got through and as a result of going through and being faithful even during hard times what did it result in stability hallelujah glory to god well let's talk about the second lion we're talking about slaying the lion of instability let's talk about slaying the lion of uncertainty navigating through uncertainty. Go over to 1 Corinthians 9. 
Glory be to God. First Corinthians chapter nine. Navigating through uncertainty. First Corinthians nine. I want to read these words of the apostle Paul. Look at verse 26. And he says this. He says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So he's talking about his mission and what he's doing. He's not doing this with uncertainty. He's in a boxing match, but he's not, he's not boxing with the air. There's a very definite purpose and a very definite goal for what he's doing. And I'll tell you what, there's a definite goal for what you have been called to do. And just like the scripture says in Hebrews 12, that there was a, a joy set before Jesus. That Jesus endured the suffering that he experienced because of the joy that was set before him, I want you to know that there is a certain joy that is set before you. And I'm not just talking about the joy on the other side, even though that's the ultimate, but I'm talking about the joy that happens on this side when you can get to the point where you see the things that God's called you to do and the things that God's put in your heart coming to pass now in this time. So that joy is twofold. It's in this life and in the life that is to come. The scripture says it. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised both of the life that now is and of the life that is to come. Hallelujah. So there's a joy that's set before you. And so therefore, you're not fighting and living for some kind of uncertain purpose, some kind of thing that, that you can't wrap your, your hands around, something that you just don't get, something that's out there and fuzzy and not concrete to you. No, there's a very definitive reason why I am doing what I'm doing and going where I'm going. I'm not doing this with uncertainty. I'm doing this with a whole lot of certainty. You know, I love the words of the psalmist David in Psalm 27. Uh, Before I quote that to you, let me say this. If you don't have a certain definitive reason for doing what you're doing, then you're not going to have a real good source of motivation for doing it. If you don't have a purpose for what you're doing and a a definitive goal that you're heading towards, then then you, you're just kind of jogging in place and, and, and going somewhere when you're not even sure where you're going. But God is in to letting you know where you're going. Even though he doesn't give you all the information up at front, he may give you one goal at a time and then another goal and another goal. Because he knows that if he gave you the ultimate goal all at once, you might say, oh, ain't no way that can ever happen. But the Lord knows what well, you can handle this one here. And then you get there and then what well, not now I know you can handle this one here and you get there and he said, well, now I know you can handle this one here. And ultimately, where do you get? You get to the ultimate destination God had for you, but he took you there in phases one goal at a time 
Because if he laid it all on you all at once, whoa, we'd have to pick you up off the floor. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? So, so Psalm 27, verse 13, and, and a word that certainly impacted my life very, very deeply, uh, especially in one of the most difficult times of my life. It was the words of the psalmist where he said, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on now. I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me tell you this very morning. That if not for that goal, not just the goal of getting to the other side, but the goal of seeing accomplished here in this life, now in this time, where God is taking you to, if not for that, I tell you what, a lot of us would have just plum fainted, ran out of gas, not made it through. But I want you to know that we as the children of God, Woo, let me tell you, there, there is a, a definitive goal to reach here in this life of the purpose that God has for you. The reason God has put you here on planet Earth and the idea of getting there and the idea of seeing that thing come to pass, even on tough days, can keep you going. Even when it's rough, even when it seems like it's not happening, there's still that something on the inside that says, you know what? I'm going there. I'm going to get there. I see where I'm going. It may not look like I'm going to get there today. It may not look like it's going to be an easy road to get there, but I see something and I'm going there. There's a certain place that I'm going to because we're not dealing with uncertainty here. We're dealing with certainty. I don't know how, but I know that God is certain. And if God is certain, then I might as well be certain too. I will get there and God will get me there however he needs to get me there. Hallelujah. And then besides that, you've got heaven on top of that. Woo! The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 1. That, that even though we're here in these earthly tabernacles, we know, certainty, 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 we know that we have a tabernacle that, 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 that is in the heavens that will fade not away. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 verse 10 reveals this to us, that God Almighty, his friend Abraham, uh, was going through life looking for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. A certain destination, a certain goal that we are going for, and we will certainly hit that target. Both the target that God has for you within this frame called life, and then most importantly, the target God's got for you after this frame is over, otherwise known as eternity. Do you have your reservations today? Come on. Do, do you have your reservations, as the founder of this church would say, in the non-smoking section? Hallelujah. 
Yeah, amen. The, uh, the words of King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20 are amazing. And we've heard Pastor John refer to, the, to this several times. Second Chronicles chapter 20, where, where, uh, verse 12, where, where the king said, uh, when the armies are coming up against Israel, he said, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So even in a moment of uncertainty, what did he do? Well, there's one thing I am certain about. I don't know what to do right now, but one thing I am certain about, it's you. I'm always certain about you. So even though I don't know what to do, my eyes are on you. When you're going through a season of uncertainty, hold on tight to those things that you know for sure. Hear me this morning. When you're going through a season of uncertainty, hold on tight to those things you know for sure. I may not fully understand everything, fully grasp the whole picture of what I need to get right now. I may be going through something where, you know, uh, there's a whole lot of uncertainty. Uh, uh, how we're going to get through this, where, where the, the means that we need to get through this is coming from. There's a whole lot of things I don't know. But what do I know for sure? I know that God is God. I know that God is able. Besides that, I know that God is more than able. He is willing. And besides that, I know that Jesus in his work of redemption has provided for me everything that I could ever need in my spirit, in my mind, in my body, in my wallet, in my emotions, in every possible way. So therefore, what am I doing? Am I dwelling on the things that I'm not sure about? No, I'm dwelling on the things that I am sure and certain about. And the key to getting through to the other side of that uncertainty is by keeping yourself anchored to the things that you know for sure. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I love the words of an old song that goes like this. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. Come on now. Hallelujah. So there's uncertainties that you're going to deal with in life, but you can navigate through by holding your anchor true to that which you do know for sure, that which you do know for certain, and him who you know is sure and certain. Hallelujah. Let's talk about overcoming insecurity, slaying the lion of insecurity. Interesting. Insecurity is one of the biggest pieces of baggage that people carry uh, with them through life. It's harmful enough when, when you've got it by yourself, and it's even more harmful when you bring it into other relationships. How many of you have, have ever been around an insecure person? Don't raise your hand, because the next thing I'm going to ask is, how many of you were the insecure person? Lord have mercy. We've all been there. We've all been there. Oh, my. It's amazing how insecurity has much to do with uh, how people see themselves, but it also has a whole lot to do with how people think that other people see them. Did you hear that? All right. 
Insecurity has a lot to do with how you see yourselves and how you think other people see you. You, you remember we, we talked about Joshua and Caleb and, and the, the, the other 10 spies earlier? You know, over in, in that, uh, in, in the rest of that story there, their conclusion, the conclusion of the 10 spies who definitely weren't on the same page with Joshua and Caleb, they made this statement that, that when they went to the land, they saw the giants, the descendants of Anak there. And, and they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Not just that they had a down view of who they were, but they also had a down view about what they thought that other people thought about them. And you know what's interesting is what they thought that those people thought about them wasn't even true. Can you go to Joshua chapter 2? Can, can, can somebody get set free from some stuff today? Hallelujah. Insecurity. Hey, I'll tell you what. I, I, I know we got the young people in the house today. Look, can I tell you, one of the greatest days in my life. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. One of the greatest days in my life was the day that I stopped caring what people thought about me. Woo! I said, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. It's not that you don't want to be liked and, and, and have a good rapport with people. But you know what? If you put something on Facebook and you don't get any likes for that one little statement, even though you got likes for the other 99 you put on there yesterday, oh, don't get me started on that. But, but then, then that, that one that didn't get likes, and here you are having trauma over it because I didn't get any likes on my little post. We're going to get you delivered from that mess today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Joshua chapter 2. Now, now look at this. Now keep in mind that these children of Israel had this perception of how the people in the promised land saw them. But now we're going to look at the words of one of the uh, people that were actually living there and see the reality of what they were thinking about them. Verse 9, Joshua 2, and said to the men, this is, I believe this is Rahab speaking. Uh, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and when what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. My, my, my. So here they're finding out that the perception they had about how other people saw them was the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, it wasn't even close to being the truth. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. Can somebody get free today? Now, now keep this in mind. Insecurity can manifest itself in, in, in different ways. 
Some people, due to insecurity, end up being loners. By the way, write this down. Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1 in the Amplified Bible. Look it up in the Amplified. It's amazing. It says, He who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. Now, I know I'm reading it fast there, but check it out. Look it up for yourself. It's just that the Bible does not have a real big compliment for the person who's separating themselves and estranging themselves from God and from man. See, a lot of people end up being loners due to insecurity. Let me tell you what. You need people. You can't be a loner because you need other people. And besides that, other people need you. And a lot of people, due to insecurity, have become loners. And due to the fact that they're loners, they are actually depriving the rest of the body of Christ of enjoying the gift that they are. They, they have removed, the, uh, in, in essence, what they bring to the table, they've removed off the table. Nobody can enjoy it. Nobody can dig into it. No, 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 nobody can get in on that. Because they have removed their gift from the table. I tell you what, come on now. Do not deprive others of the gift of God in you. Don't be a loner. And what's the flip side? The flip side is that there are some people that are just always trying to push themselves and promote themselves. Some people don't think they got anything, which is wrong. Some people think they're God's gift to the whole human race. And I got news for you. Jesus was God's gift to the whole human race. And, 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 and so, so the, the other side of it is people that are always trying to push and promote themselves. Which is the antithesis of what the Bible says you should do. Because the Bible says your gift will make room for you. But people that are getting pushy and, and always trying to push and promote themselves, they're doing the opposite of that. They're trying to make room for their gift. Whoa. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. Hallelujah. So, so it's interesting. Insecurity can manifest itself in multiple different ways. But the bottom line is that either way, it's still all about you or it's all about me when what it should be about is all about him and all about others. Hallelujah. You know, if you go to the book of Philemon real quick, there's something there I want you to see. Philemon, one little chapter. It's the book just before the book of Hebrews. But there, there's something here I want you to see for yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Talking about slaying the lion of insecurity. So these are some big things that you have to deal with. These are not uh, rare things, things that you never come across. These are things that are just part of life, things that you have to deal with on a regular basis. And what we want to do is we, we want to uh, slay those lions just like Benea. Slew that lion. We want to slay the lions that, that are, are in our life. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Do you know that there is a correct and a balanced way to be secure in him 
and to believe in the good things that God has put inside of you? You know, people have thought that it was humility, you know, that, that if, if you're gifted to do something, that you can never acknowledge it. That if God's given you a gift in a certain area, you, you can never acknowledge it. Like, like somebody who can really sing, and they say, oh, I can't sing. You know what they're doing? They're lying. Because they can. God gave them a gift. The Bible says here that there's not something wrong with you acknowledging the good things that are in you. You just got to acknowledge where they came from. But there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that God has put good things in you. But these every good things that are in you, ultimately, look at the last phrase there, in Christ Jesus. Good things are in you because you're in him. Good things are in you because you're in him. It's all right to acknowledge good things about yourself. It doesn't mean you're being proud. Quite contrary, you're being scriptural. But you just got to recognize where the good things that are in you came from. They didn't come from you because you were so cute or so smart or so anything else. They came from God and God gave them to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you. Hallelujah. will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. And finally, winning over offense. Slaying the lion of offense. Oh boy. This is a biggie. One thing about offense, I'll put it to you like this. Offense can be taken when it is not given. And just because offense is given doesn't mean it has to be taken. Uh Uh-huh. Listen to that. Offense can be taken even when it is not given. You've seen that. You've seen people get offended when there was no intent to offend. But then the flip side of that is you can have somebody who is actually trying their best to offend. But just because offense is given doesn't mean offense has to be taken. Hallelujah. And and this is important because, I mean, when when you're dealing with the area of dealing with offense and, and, and being forgiven... Forgiving towards people. I mean, this is huge. I mean, this impacts your life. As a matter of fact, you holding on to bitterness against somebody. I mean, it is equivalent to uh, uh, you drinking poison yourself and waiting for somebody else to drop dead from it. Oh, is somebody getting it? The offense is the poison. And if the offense is in you. The person you like to see drop dead, they're not going to drop dead. You're the one being affected by it. And and you know, the the one who is holding offense is the one who is primarily affected. But the Bible warns us that it's catchy. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, if you want to write that down or if you want to go there real quick. Hebrews 12, 15. Oh, Lordy. Very, very important words. The writer says, 
Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So uh, you, you got to know this, that, that it, it's, it's possible that though it starts with one, that it don't end with one. And that that poison can spread, and boy, it can spread easy. And guard yourself against it, because if it spreads to you, what does the Bible say happened to you? You got defiled. I don't want any defilement in me. As a matter of fact, I want to pray the, the, the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over in Philippians 1, 9, and 10, where he said, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and listen to this, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Hallelujah. Keeping the offense out. Keeping that, keeping clear of that, keeping clear of that kind of defilement, that kind of poison that can infect your system. As a matter of fact, the scripture says a good antidote, Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they who love your law and nothing shall offend them. I'll tell you what, you, you, you want to get, get off the offense, get more hooked on the book. Develop more love for the book. Hallelujah. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. And, you know, looking at it in a very practical way, you know, the practical aspect of sowing and reaping, you know you're going to need some mercy before too long. As long as you're still living in your humanity, living in that body you're living in, you're going to need some. So you might as well sow some. Because you want to have some in the ground so you need a harvest, you can get some back. Doing to others. You should have others doing to you. What do you do? Because offense is going to come. What do you do with it? Well, let me tell you. if, If we can sum it up in a nice little neat statement, it would be this. When offense comes, don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. But disperse it and trust God to reverse it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Disperse it and trust God to reverse it. Are you with me today? Anybody up for slaying some lions today? Hallelujah. Getting some things out of your life that, that just don't belong. And enjoying the victory and the triumph that Christ has ordained for you to enjoy. Amen. Shall we pray today? Father, we honor you and give you glory. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God who has spoke to us this morning and has uh, just uh, brought to to our hearts and brought to our attention things that that are in the heart of God. And Lord, it's our desire today to, to be able to leave this place walking in victory and, and doing what you've told us and instructed us to do and experiencing the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ, the fullness of the blessing 
of paying attention to the lion of the tribe of Judah rather than being sidetracked by all these other lions that would try to mess with our life. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for ministering and reaching out to the hearts of everybody here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for impacting us in a very special way in Jesus' name.